0: The Collins Dictionary word for the year for 2022 is permacrisis. The definition given, permacrisis, an extended period of instability and insecurity. With this new year, do you remember Covid was receding, we hoped. We were thinking, great, this pandemic's gonna be finally over. Better things are to come. But that word, permacrisis, has found repeated use this year, hasn't it? To describe, amongst other things, the challenges posed by the war close at hand in Ukraine, political chaos in this land, let alone overseas, and the challenges of inflation and the cost of living increases. And of course, we see this on the news, don't we? But it's not just there, is it? Some of those things may have particularly impacted us personally. But then on top of that are the particular personal challenges that we might have faced over the last few months. For many, this year has been very, very difficult. It's been very hard. And so here we are, Christmas is coming, it's a week away and we're meant to be all jolly and happy. But don't know about you, but my anticipation is somewhat muted and even somber sometimes. Those pressures in life, the pains, they all keep crawling in and crowding in. So in the midst of such difficulties, what place is there for this Christmas enthusiasm and exuberance? Well, to such such a groaning world and to groaning people, Psalm 98 exhorts us, verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song. But how can we do that in the midst of a perma crisis? Now, Psalm 98 was written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, but it has come to be associated and linked quite tightly with with Christmas. Well, how come? Well, um, if you were in our home group on Thursday and doing our Christmas quiz, then you'll know that it was in 1719 the hymn writer Isaac Watts published a hymn book called The Psalms of David and included his version of Psalm 98, which we now commonly know as Joy to the World. And you might find that very familiar to many of us, but actually there's more. This song... Joy to the World, it wasn't initially intended to be a Christmas carol, but because of the content, it's become such, and it's been considered like that, and it still is today, and it's much loved by so many of us. And we hope to sing it later on in our service this morning. But there is actually another, in fact, a stronger reason still to connect Psalm 98 with Christmas, because we'll find that this psalm, if you like, is one of the influences for another song which may be even more familiar to us. We'll come to that in just a few minutes, but first, let's dive into the psalm, and we will begin with our first heading on our outlines. The first advent, the Lord's salvation is seen by all. Verses 1 to 3. Now, this afternoon, I've been told that there is something special going on. It's the final of the 2022 FIFA World Cup, and I may watch it, I don't know, I may watch it later, but let's just suppose, let me borrow borrow your imagination for a second, let's suppose that I didn't watch it, and what is more, I turned off all my electronic devices, I put them all into flight mode. Well, even if I did all of that, um, even if I did that, I would still know what would, ha- what would have happened because there w- it was social media would go viral, whoever won, there would be celebrations, there will be videos, you would know quite quickly, um, even, perhaps even people who watch it down our streets, they will know very quickly and they'll be talking about it quite quickly. So we will know what would happen and there will be great singing and celebration even if I didn't watch it, which probably isn't a good idea since I'm supposed to be at the carol service later this afternoon. I don't think my boss would be far too happy if I was watching it on my phone when I'm supposed to be in a carol service. But anyway, we would know what would have happened. There would have been celebration, whether it's people that we know who support Argentina or France or over social media. But in any event, in any event, look at verse 1 of Psalm 98. It says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Each time this phrase, new song, appears in the Old Testament scriptures, it comes because God has done something. And in particular, He has won a victory. A new song to sing to celebrate. You might remember God delivered His people through the Red Sea at the Exodus. What did Moses and the people do in response? They sang. They sang a victory song. And so the question is, well, what then is this victory song in this psalm celebrating? Well, verse 1 continues, doesn't it? He has done marvellous things. So what are those marvellous things? Verse 1 carries on, doesn't it? His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. If you know the book of Exodus at all, then you'll know that God's hand and arm was what delivered the people out of Egypt. So maybe that is what that this psalm, this song, had originally in mind when it was written, as celebrating that rescue. But no doubt it was read then, during the history of Israel, to maybe also celebrate victories over other nations, or even with the return of God's people from the Babylonian exile. But in any case, today, the world doesn't really celebrate or sing about God like that, does it? Maybe the world doesn't even think that God is even there. Or if he is there, then what is he doing? Where is he? He hasn't done anything. There is nothing worth celebrating. And yet, as we read these opening verses, we see five times that God is acting. Did you see them, the five action words? Doing marvellous things, working salvation, making known of his salvation, revealing his righteousness, remembering his steadfast love and faithfulness. And the point is that God has done something. He has acted. And if that is true, this psalm encourages us. It calls for a response, a celebration. And notice that this call that the psalmist makes is not just for a few people, you know, those who might be interested in this kind of thing. Verse 3, all the ends of the earth has seen the salvation of our God. To which you might ask, have they really? What act of God has the world seen today? If we were to sing this psalm, then what What action, if you like, has God done that we are to have in our minds? Well, an angel appeared to a young girl in an out-of-the-way place and spoke of what God had done, even inside her. And that girl, Mary, responded with a song of her own. We had it read to us earlier from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Mary's song, sometimes known as the Magnificat. And from those lyrics, it sounds like that one of her main influences was Psalm 98. I've given you a few parallels on your sheets. Let's have a look at them briefly. Mary begins, My soul glorifies the Lord. She's singing a new song to the Lord. She continues, The mighty one has done great things. Yes, marvellous things back in Psalm 98. Mary continues, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm, just like it says in in the psalm. And again, Mary Mary carries on, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, just like in the psalm. But it doesn't stop there, does it? It doesn't stop there. After Jesus' birth, this baby was taken to the temple in Luke chapter 2, and This old man called Simeon, he took the baby in his arms and he blessed God. And he said, verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. So this time of year, we use this word Advent, don't we? This word Advent, it means coming or arrival. God has come into this world in Jesus and sometimes he emphasizes for us that he has come for salvation, to rescue. That's what's needed to make things better, to find all those who have gone astray and to bring them back. And Jesus himself, he said later on in Luke's gospel, that the Son of Man, that is Jesus, he came to seek and to save the lost. Now, That is a grand claim, isn't it? So how then did Jesus do it exactly? Well, Psalm 98 has this language, if you like, of a mighty God in action. His right arm and his holy hand. So you ask then, well, how then did God flex his muscles, if you like, for all the world to see? By coming as a baby amidst the animals. And then if you like, God did flex them all the more. About 30 years later, it was in public view on a hillside just outside Jerusalem. So if you really want to see what this mighty God is doing, then look there. A man hanging on a cruel cross, breathing his last in pain and in humiliation. It may not sound like a cause for celebration, but the Bible is clear that if you really want to see what the mighty God has done, then look there. Look more carefully. Look harder. Just think, in our perma-crisis, in this world of sin and suffering and pain and evil and death, our world, in the end, is utterly powerless, isn't it? It can do nothing. What can change our world for the better? Well, the mighty God can do it. Through a cradle, but led to a cross. And hence this call goes out to all the world in Psalm 98. Sing a new song. The carol puts it like this. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. So that's verses 1 to 3. The first advent, the Lord's salvation is seen by all. Then, verses 4 to 6, we have, this Christmas, a joyful noise to the Lord the King. Have a look at verse 4 with me. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. And again, at the end of verse 6, shout for joy before the Lord the King. Do you notice the obvious repetition here? Joy, joyful noise, joyous sound. Those angels who came and spoke to Mary that we saw earlier, they arrive on the hillside outside Bethlehem and they said, I bring you good news of great joy. And the encouragement here is not to be superficially jolly. It's not, oh, come on, do join in with the festive spirit kind of joy. It's not a pretend smile for a few hours, trying to ignore the pain inside. No, the psalm is drawing us and encouraging us to well, this deep joy that does come from within and then expresses itself outwardly. But of course, we ask, well, how can there be such joy? How could all people share in it? Well, that brings us to the other repetition on either side of verses 4 and 6. Have a look with me. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, and shout for joy before the Lord, the King. So yes, we all know that long ago Jesus was born and during this time of year many people make some kind of passing remembrance of that event. But as we know, the rest of the year they don't really give him much thought or attention, do they? Until December comes round again. You know, leave baby Jesus in the manger gathering dust but then next year he'll be back again exactly as he was last year. But if that is our attitude, may I suggest what that is saying is that we've never really listened to what the angels said on that hillside in Bethlehem. The angels said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. David was the great king of Israel, but now Jesus, King David's greatest descendant, He was announced to be the Christ, the long-awaited, promised king from God himself. And so it proves, if you read on and find out more about the life of Jesus, that this baby doesn't stay in a manger, does he? He grows up, he teaches with such authority like never before or since. He performs these mighty miracles, giving a glimpse that here is one, With power over disease and demons and death. It becomes abundantly clear Jesus is the King. But no mere historical King. Because the evidence is plain. He rose again from the dead. Yes, our world has many, many problems. Yes, we have plenty of questions about what is happening, both out there and maybe in our lives as well. But this psalm is reminding us that ultimately, this world, our lives are not out of control. There is a throne and it's not empty. King Jesus and his father's side, ruling over all people, everywhere. And if that's true, my friends, if that's true, we can make a joyful noise to the Lord, the King. We're not simply celebrating a past event. We are delighting in the present reality. And notice who should do this. This is not meant to be a private in-house behind closed doors kind of celebration for those who kind of like this kind of thing. It's not a holy huddle while the rest of the world simply gets on with its own thing. I wonder if you if you've recently invited someone to a carol service and they said back to you, "Ah, uh, it's, it's thank you, but it's not really for me." But it is. Whoever we've said that to, this is for them. Verse 4, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. As those angels said on that Bethlehem hillside, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people. I wonder if you've, I wonder if you've looked ahead to next year. I wonder if you, do you know what's happening on May the 6th? Children, do you know what's happening on May the 6th next year? No, it's not my birthday. But if you'd like to bring me a card and a cake, I'm not going to say no. But it's not, it's, that's not my birthday. Well, adults, do you know what's happening on May the 6th next year? Yes, it's the coronation of King Charles III. And it's gonna be one of, it's gonna be an amazing event, isn't it? There's gonna be so much celebration and singing up and down the country. People um, up and down this land and maybe abroad, they're gonna be singing, God save the king. I've still not, not got used to that by the way. But people are gonna be singing that and so many will be joining in in the celebration. But still, not everyone's gonna do that. Not everyone's gonna join in for whatever reason. But, May I submit to you, there is a far greater king, alive and ruling today. He came into the world that first time to rescue, to bring us back to our maker. But now he rules over all, so we can sing with conviction and passion. Joy to the world, the Saviour reigns. He rules the world with truth and grace. We've seen what the psalmist says on either side of verses 4 and 6 emphasizing joy because of the king. So, what's in between? Look at verse 5 with me. Verse 5 says, Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Well, we've had singing already, haven't we, in verses 1 to 3. But if you like, now the volume is increasing, isn't it? Get out the musical instruments, the harp, the trumpet, and whatever else. We need to up the volume to 11 and celebrate Now, here at Hollywell Church, we are keen to put that into practice quite literally. So, um, this afternoon, with our carol service and on Christmas Day as well, we hope to sing some carols and invite all people, including children, to join in with their instruments and to create an orchestra of joyful noise. I was listening to the Breakfast Bible Club rehearsing a song that they're going to do at the carol service. It was amazing. So we want to invite everyone to join in. And it's not just for those who are here in the church. Our hope is to draw people in from outside. We hope that many passers-by who pass along will hear the singing and they will want to join in and they'll be very welcome to do that. And that's not just our bright idea. That's the president of Psalm 98. All the earth... Invited to join in, celebrating the king's rule. So we've had the first advent. The Lord's salvation is seen by all. Today, a joyful noise to the Lord, the king. And then future advent, the Lord comes to judge the earth. Verses 7 to 9. I wonder if you've noticed in this psalm the ever-expanding circles of praise. In the opening verses, God's people in particular, in verses 4 to 6, we get all the peoples of the earth. And now, verse 7, let the sea resound, and everything in it, and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Can you hear it? The crescendo is growing and growing bigger and louder. There are the people's voices, there are the musical instruments, but now it's taking all the earth, the roar of the sea, the clap of the rivers, the mountains are alive and add their voice in song. All this joy as the carol puts it, and heaven and nature sing. So, why this raucous, tumultuous celebration? Well, we have those five action words, didn't we, in verses 1 to 3, but now we have two more action words in verses 7 to 9. It it talk about what God will do in the future. Have a look with me. Verse 9. Let them sing before the Lord... For he comes to judge the, w- the world, and he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. So the first action word, the Lord comes. Not that first coming uh, that we spoke about earlier, the first advent of Christmas, but his second coming. The same Jesus, who is now alive and reigning, as we were singing earlier in our service, he will one day return in person to this earth. And what will he come to do? Well, that leads us to our second action word in verse 9. He comes to judge, to judge the world. Now, some of you might say, you may hear that and think, well, surely that's not really anything to celebrate, is it? It's something to be feared. And in one sense, for those who continue to shake their puny fists at God, well, yes, that is right. It is something to be feared. It will be a very, very sobering day indeed. And yes, if you like, if all we had in this psalm verses 7 to 9, in this psalm, if that's all we had, then it would be ominous to read that. But remember, that is not all we have in this psalm, is it? We have all nine verses. And we've read that there's a big theme of joy that runs out throughout this psalm. And this is a psalm of joy. Because it wants us to keep all the psalm in view. In fact, the psalm itself encourages us to do that in a number of ways. You may be aware that the number seven in the Bible is significant. It's a number that represents completion Think of the seven days of creation, for example. But it turns out that there are quite a few sets of sevens in this psalm. Have a look with me. We already heard the seven action words. But then notice that God is named here seven times. But also notice that there are seven commands to praise this God. Sing. Shout for joy! Burst into Jupiter's song! Make music! Shout for joy! Sing together! Sing! There are other senses of completion here as well. Did you notice how the flow of this psalm is from the past to the present and now into the future? So we need to hold all of this psalm together and that answers why we can and should rejoice at the future coming of this king. Because we've already received the rescue of this king in the past. We are his people today and we know, and we now live with him as our king today. And we also look forward therefore as his people to what he will do in the future, putting all wrong things right. Because if we're honest we feel, don't we, as much as anybody else, that this world is groaning. It does sometimes feel like a perma-crisis, doesn't it? The pain and the suffering, the injustice, the evil, the war, the list goes on. If only it could be sorted out If only someone could put it right. If only it could be made better. Well, we've seen one who can do it at Christmas. He came into the world. We know that today he rules over all and he's promised he will come back. Because the perma-crisis, my friends, is not permanent. Quite the opposite. There is hope, genuine hope, one day this groaning will be no more. And it will be rightly transformed into uninterrupted celebration. As the song puts it, in joyful anticipation we sing, No more let sin and sorrows grow, no thorns infest the ground. He makes his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. And the song goes on, doesn't it? And so, fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. So far as sin and its consequences have ruined our world, my friends, our King is coming again to put it right forever. And may this message encourage us and spur us on this Christmas. Amen.